As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your host, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. And the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's going on, bud? A little of this, a little of that. What's new in Big Jed's world? Oh, not a whole lot. Kind of reeling a little bit from a devastating second round loss in the championship kickball tournament last night. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, we come in as number three seed and got by round one, number two seed. We had them one to nil with their last strike in the bottom, or actually top of the sixth. And they mustered up a run, tied up, and then we went into extras and they ended up winning three to two. So pretty devastated. Was really, really trying to get to the championship there. I assume you were on the hill for this? I was. I was on the hill, and I was uh, Maddox-like, you know, no brag, just fact. Uh, I mean, I was I was painting the corners and really doing my thing, and uh, it all come apart with one strike left. Probably lost focus thinking it was over, and it, it wasn't. 
Jed, I'm just thinking back. I hope that you handled that better than I did. I, I remember being in a similar situation. I was in like fifth grade. Yeah. YMCA ball on the hill. I want to say bottom of the ninth, but in reality, same deal. I think we played five or six innings, but it was bottom of yeah. the last inning. Had this big dude at the plate, and I had him down like one, two. I think we were up a run, bases loaded, or a couple guys on, and I just served him one up right down the middle. And it, the next thing I knew, it was defense. <laughs> oh, no. My reaction, now keep in mind, I'm ultra-competitive fifth grader. My reaction was to literally collapse on the mound in tears. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I took it. Like I said, I hope you handled it a little bit better than I do. The one thing I remember, and I remember this like it was yesterday, the umpire came out. I think he, for whatever reason, was like the first person to me. Why? I don't know. Where was my teammate? Whatever. <laughs> and says, son, it's okay. I was, man, I was just ready to ring him up. You threw it right down the middle. And that wasn't what I wanted to hear at all because I was trying to throw it a foot outside and get him to fish on it. It was awful, man. So I, I hope that you, man, you drug up some bad memories there. I hope you, I hope you handled it a little bit better. Than I did. It, it might have been a little better, but it wasn't much. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with you, bud? Uh, licking some wounds of my own. I had a rough outing in uh, Columbus over the weekend. I believe I, uh, I lost third round of Super Comp, second round of Top Dragster with. The worst starting line performance in recent memory. I'm going to get well acquainted with my Portatree next gen over the next uh, couple of weeks before I race again because we can't roll like that. It was uh, you. You miss it one time, go 15 or something. No, no, I missed it three times in a row on Sunday. Oh. Um, my best light was 32. Yeah, so I'm just gonna okay. erase that from the memory banks. Pretend like that never happened, and uh, and move on at Huntsville. I'm pretty sure I'll be better. So we'll uh, we'll just forget about that. I I did. This was entertaining. I think at at the very least. I I mentioned I ran top dragster, and there's a long story behind that. Basically, yeah. the short version is that I took my little trailer. I didn't have a way to get my Corvette and a dragster to the racetrack, but I could get two dragsters in it. And uh, I thought, well, my wife didn't want to go. I kind of look back through the last few years at Columbus, and they normally don't fill the field in top dragster. And I thought, man, what are the odds you could go do good in Division Three top dragster going 740s? Right. But uh, I thought, worst case scenario, I'll get a grade point in TD. If I ever wanted to run a national event in top dragster at some point, I could. It'd be fun. We'll go try it. And lo and behold, they had 30 cars, so I qualified. It's a cool part. I'm qualified at 745. Still qualified 32nd out of 30. Yeah, yeah, out of 30, right. I was actually like 28th on the ladder. One guy broke and one guy couldn't get down. Uh, Oh, nice. But of the cars that are actually going to stage for first round, not only am I the slowest, like the next slowest is dialed like 670. Oh. Um, I'm dialed 745. That brings up a, a, a unique spot, at least for me, because it's not like say uh, like i'm in my vega and giving up 45 miles an hour i'm not saying that i'm going to do a good job at the finish line but i can spin around and look out the back window and like if that car that's 45 mile an hour faster than me shakes the tires and lifts or breaks an axle or runs over the christmas tree like (laughs) i would know that and i would lift right because i can see that in a dragster you know, people always talk about how much better you can see out of a dragster that's true until you're trying to look behind you because like there's a motor in the way and much less beyond that, in top dragster rules dictate, and, and typically I wear a, a neck restraint anyway, but typically I'm 
the faster car or one of the faster cars there. So you have to wear neck restraint. So even if you wanted to look back, you can only see so much. Yeah. So quite literally, like my first round of competition in Top Dragster, I'm dialed 745. My opponent's dialed 620. I'm listening. I'm thinking, that thing's got blower and a zoomies. Like, I ought to be able to hear him. And and when you I should. didn't hear him, I lifted a little bit. I didn't think I could go under when I started. But it put me in a unique situation where I felt like, like I'm quite capable of making myself look like a jackass. But the percentage, like the opportunity to do that in that situation is like way higher than normal because it's very possible that my opponent could run over the Christmas tree or, you know what I mean, or, or sure. make it two feet off the starting line and quit. And I could go a thousand thunder because like I ain't trying to do nothing. So <laughs> it was a unique situation and not one that I'm used to. But as it turns out, like when you're as bad on the tree as I was, I got to see plenty of my opponent. They were ahead of me well before the finish line. So what was my biggest fear was really not an issue at all. Like I had a real good indication of who was getting to the finish line first and what to do about it. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounded like a forgettable weekend. So hopefully you can scratch that one and, and move on with the rest of the season. I think I will. I've spent the last week and a half preparing for the Racing RV's exclusive 150. And um, did they have a race in Columbus last weekend? I didn't hear about it. I they guess did. they did. We'll talk about it a little bit later in the show. Big show today. We have coast-to-coast action, quite literally. NHRA national event in Seattle, divisional event in Atco, New Jersey. I don't think you can get much further apart. Plus, the national nah. in Columbus, a couple of big bracket races in Michigan that we'll touch on. But, Jed, before we get to that, let's tell him who's hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Yeah, Luke, it's time for our Seabrook Performance Who's Hot segment. In addition to building quality race engines, Seabrook Performance is your source for carburetor setup. Whether it's a new, custom calibrated carburetor or a rebuild and calibration of your current carb, Luke Seabrook at Seabrook Performance has the answer. Call Luke at 785-286-6813. Who's hot this week, Luke? Well, for this week's Who's Hot, we could have probably gone a couple of different directions. You could make a good argument for Jody Lang. Got his second national event in as many weeks, and he's been lighting it up for a couple of months. A lot of action across the country, bracket racing. And I don't really know that this is applicable, but we got to talk about this at some point in the show. Like, Lester Johnson just won one race, okay? Like, it's not like he... Normally on our Who's Hot segment, we got somebody that won like three races on the weekend or sure. something crazy. But the way that Lester went about it is... Quite possibly the coolest thing that I've ever witnessed. As much as I try to erase it from my memory, I was at Columbus last weekend. And the good part about that was that I got to watch this show. Lester Johnson, for those of you that don't know, has a shoebox. What is that thing? A 56? I should know this. I don't. Yeah. I I think it's a 55. Okay. He won Top Sportsman at Columbus last weekend. That's cool, right? Happy for him. But that that doesn't tell the story. Lester Johnson dialed six flat. That's the minimum. That's as fast as they will let you go. He yeah, that's fast. In every round of competition. And I've seen some people do that in Top Dragster. There's a growing number of racers, like, and, and most of now, like, at least the Division Three Top Dragster field is fast, you know, sub-620. Most of the Top Sportsman field is not. Like, I don't know the numbers. I don't think Lester ran anyone else dialed faster than, like, 660. And he was dialed 6 flat. And if you watched him, he was capable of going... A fair amount faster than six flat on most of those runs. That's like pro mod times. Pro mod numbers, yeah. And he is bracket racing this thing, and he is winning. 
again, like quite possibly the coolest thing that I've ever seen to just go yeah. down the track that often and drive the finish line the way he was driving it. Like it was, it was really impressive. It was really cool. Luke, I've never been to, to national trails, but correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's one of the shorter quarter mile facilities around, right? It is. And and that's in large part, like the reason I mentioned earlier, top dragster didn't have a full field. Top sportsman did, but a lot of the fast guys tend to stay away from Columbus and in defense of national trail raceway, like they've done significant upgrades. It's smoother. The track seemed better than I ever remember, but it is short and it's not the smoothest track in the world. Like, it's one thing to just go there and win going 690. Lester Johnson went just out six flat every round and just beat everybody up. It was, I'm running out of superlatives. Like, it was really cool. What, what are we talking, 230 mile per hour? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and pumping the throttle. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. That That deserves a who's hot, although Jody would have been a great choice as well, but. Congrats to Lester. That's a that's a big win and uh, doing it very impressively. Yeah, it's coolest thing I've ever seen. All right, NHRA national event in Seattle. Take it away, Jed. Well, uh, we'll scam over the results here. Uh, top dragster was uh, Andy Morris, and Andy beat our buddy, big nasty Kyle Seipel. friend of the podcast. Yeah friend of the podcast, podcast bump for Kyle. And I did read uh, Big Nasty's comment on Facebook where he said Andy helped him change a water pump in between the semis and the finals to make it up. He said Andy would have waited as long as he needed, and he, he actually jumped in and helped him change it. So it's really pretty cool. cool. Uh, top sportsman was uh, Don Sefton. Don having a good season, getting the win over Brian Moore. Super comp was Randy Beck over Greg Taylor. And uh, it looked like Randy had a 008 average through his uh, rounds with a 11th hour window at that. So that's uh, that's pretty stout. Yeah, I don't even time. remember looking at the results from the final, but I remember looking earlier in the weekend and thinking about where Randy Beck is slaying them. He did. He made nice laps and crushed the tree all weekend. It looked like it. Super gas was Dan Davis over Gene Kelly. Super street was Tom Brown over Larry Miner. Super stock was uh, something we'll talk a little bit more about. The, the the guy in the final here, Jeff Lane, got the win over Justin Lamb. Lamb was perfect, couldn't run the number, said uh, he, he went uh, 150 miles per hour. So I'm in 155 miles per hour. So it was probably out the back door and uh, didn't give it back, just couldn't run the number for whatever reason. That was one of two finals for Justin. Stock category, uh, again, the driver you talked about could have been there. Who's Hot for Seabrook Performance, Who's Hot segment. Jody Lang getting his second national in as many weeks over Justin Lamb. Uh, Lang had 19 total to Lamb's 19 bulb. So yeah, that was uh, a rematch of the final round of Superstock at Sonoma. Same result, Lang over Lamb. That's a mouthful. So that had... Big Nasty, Kyle Seipel, and Justin Lamb, which are teammates. Uh, Kyle drives for the Lamb family, making three final rounds, Luke, um, just back to back to back, basically. That part's good. That is good. It is real good. But no wind lights in the finals. That part's bad. Yeah, you give me those two guys in three finals. It can be King Kong in the other lane every time. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to win one of them at least. Yeah, but, uh, uh, first off, 
particularly in Justin's case, really impressive Western swing. Like, what was that? I guess that's not the true Western swing because he did the two weeks in Sonoma. But at the divisional at Sonoma, I think he won one class, semi the other. Last week at the national at Sonoma was runner-up in Superstock. This week is in the final of both. Now, I'm sure if we talked to Justin, he would be unhappy that he's not holding the trophy at the end of those. Oh, but yeah. You can't do much better over the course of three weeks than he did. And to your point, between the two of them, Seipel and Lamb, you stage up for three finals. And let's not act like that's the worst thing in the world. Like, making a national event final is a huge accomplishment. To do it three times in one weekend is outstanding. But to your point, like, if you take the lifetime round win percentage for Kyle Seipel and Justin Lamb, like, I would assume that they're between 70 and 80% each. So you just play the odds and say, well, they're in three finals. Like, odds are they're, they're going to win two of them. Yep, if they have a bad day, they're going to win one. It would surprise no one if they got the clean sweep. Yeah, and you just go, oh, for, I mean, what a kick in the gut, gut, the gut. I mean, I don't remember anything that certainly nothing like that's ever happened to me. And I don't remember seeing it like from teammates on a sportsman level. What about you? I mean, you, have you had it happen or anything similar or seen it happen? You're teeing me up. Now, my story wasn't on a, <laughs> a, a similar stage at all. This is a national event. Like, this is a big deal. Let me say one thing. Like, you go through those rounds. I think Kyle was 1,000 red in the final top dragster. Justin was perfect in super stock. And like, as you alluded to, like, it looks like he's wide open, couldn't get there. So, of course, spun, whatever, had an issue. And then in the final of stock, Jody Lang's like 19 total. And Justin was 19 on the tree. Like, they didn't make a bad run out of the three. It just didn't nope. work. But to your question, I'll try not to be too long-winded about this, but I, not that this compares, because like I say, it's different level. I wasn't at a national event. I was at a DragRaceResults.com series race back in the day when that was the series that we chased. I was at Maple Grove Raceway in Redding, Pennsylvania. Uh, the only time I've ever been to Maple Grove. I flew up there. I was uh, driving for a car for Chris Reynolds. If you know Chris. It's no, like, yeah. It's, no, yeah. Chris. Well, yeah. yeah. So I'm driving his dragster and I'm driving my rental car in a footbrake, trying to earn some precious points, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, like the weekend was a total loss. I did win like Saturday's five grand or something like that. To the point that Chris was impressed enough, like he had two cars there. He's like, just drive them both today. Awesome. Cool. So <laughs> Sunday is the, the final day. It's a, it's a five grand on the top and like a thousand to win footbrake. Quarter mile at Reading. And I'm driving two dragsters and my rental car in footbrake. So, long story short, the, the day proceeds. I am down to four cars in Super Pro. I'm two of them. And I am down to three cars in footbrake in the Renorek. Right? Having a good day. Really good. I, uh, I come back from winning the quarterfinal round of footbrake and hop in one of the dragsters and drive to the staging lanes where the other two competitors are already waiting on me. Because I'm in two classes, you know, you're rushing around. And sure. uh, Spanky actually stopped me at the back of the staging lanes and was like, hey, like, let's say they're both in lane three. If you just get behind them in three, you'll run yourself and we'll advance one to the final. And I look at him like he's got four eyes. I'm like, what are you? I don't want one car in the final. I want two cars in the final. What are you talking about? Right? Well, he's sure. on down into lane four. And I'm taking all comers at this point. I ain't lost all day. And my first pairing i run uh, jeff palmer probably remember jeff yeah 
And whatever the case was, like, I'm, oh, he's teen. Like, I got a hundredth on the tree. I'm faster. I roll up on him, roll him through real tight. Fully expect my wind light to come on. His comes on. I'm like, ooh, real sure what happened there. I'm pretty sure I had that one. Get the ticket. And I was. I was, oh, he was teen. But, and he was like two above. But I was like a second and a half under. Something blew through the lights. Oh. I'm like, well, that stinks because I feel like I won the round. But at least, you know, like I had the, the instant of seeing his wind light come on and now I've got another chance. Like, obviously, we're going to have to rerun, right? So there's good yeah. and bad. So I come back around, hop in the other car, run the other semifinalist who I don't remember who it was. And uh, they beat the crap out of me. Like, I, I want to say like seventh out package or something. I lose. Okay. So I'm out of one. I still got to rerun the other. Hop in the Renarek, uh, roll up for the semis of Footbreak. And I'm paired with Andy Anderson. I know you know Andy. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I drove well, fish. At this point, to this point, in the Renarek, I'm dialed like 16-something, quarter mile. And I would deep stage, both feet on the floor. It would go to like some kind of rev limiter. It sounded like a rev limiter. Like, I don't know exactly how that works. But it worked out great. You just put both feet on the floor. The third light comes on. You let go of the brake. And I was like, good. So that was my plan all day. Well... Andy was the first opponent that I raced that also was deep staging. And at that time, like all of the other drag results races that we went to, they just left auto start on like you were on your own. Right. So I yeah. didn't feel at all bad about turning, getting deep while Andy was still in the water box because like he's spotting me six seconds. Like he's got plenty of time to get deep. Right. I'm sure. And I'm concerned about it enough that I actually put the sun visor down to like block the stage bulbs. So that I couldn't see him go deep, like as my tree was going down, like I didn't want that to mess me up. So I'm I'm hovering Ooh, great under. thinking. Yeah, so I'm hovering under the blinder. When he gets fully staged, not yet deep, I expect the tree to come down. So I I get under the blinder and I put both feet to the floor. And I'm like, "Where's the tree? Where's the tree? Why didn't the tree come down? Where's the tree? Well, it ain't like I'm worried about being up on the converter. I'm in a 17 second streetcar, right? So about the time that my tree finally starts down because they waited on him to get deep, which I didn't realize, but fine. You know, it shouldn't affect me at all. About the time my top amber comes on, my rental car goes into limp mode. Like I've had both feet on the floor for so long that it just like went to idle. So I let go of the brake pedal and go nowhere. I go like five seconds to 60 foot and obviously I lose. Like, okay, well, that's a new one. You know, never lost that way. So at this point I have, I've lost twice, but I still have the rerun in the other dragster that I had thought I'd lost in earlier. So I come back around and I don't remember the race. Now I think it's one of those that I tried to block from my memory, but Jeff Palmer beat me technically again. So mm. not only did I lose three semifinals, like I watched the opposite wind light come on in the semifinal round four times in a span of like 40 minutes. So that's the only, I know that was like a really long story that's not nearly as exciting as being in three national event finals, but that's the only way that I can commiserate. So Justin, Kyle, I feel you guys, man. <laughs> it is interesting though. <laughs> that is a pretty cool story. And so Luke, we had uh, Lucas Oil Divisional Series event at Columbus. I don't know if you knew they raced in Columbus. I didn't know that. Uh, this past, yeah, they, they did. They had a Lucas Oil Series of, and top dragster they had a top dragster class there i don't think everybody i don't think they had a full field i think there was only like 30 hmm. but, interesting yeah you know the pirate lynn ellison got to win over tony elrod uh, elrod was perfect twice along the way with a seventh hour window uh, on a tree but he couldn't run the number in the final and, and the pirate got the win so good job there for lynn 
top sportsmen, you already talked about it. Lester Johnson dialed six flat all day, uh, capable of going faster, gets the win over Tim Molnar. Super Comp, don't see uh, odd B name in any of the finals, uh, but there is an odd name, Joey Fusting. You got it. Okay, uh, good job for Joey there, and good job for me getting his name, getting the win over Jacob Elrod. Those Elrod boys are on fire this year. Yeah, they, I guess kind of a similar weekend in, in some respects to uh, what Justin and Kyle did. Tony runner-up in Top Dragster, Jacob runner-up in Super Comp, and Jacob and Tony actually ran at three in Super Comp. So pretty yeah. big weekend for them without you know getting the end, the main prize, but very, still very impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Super Gas was Bob Locke over Derek Denny, our Double buddy D. Double D, getting her done. A Super Street was Jason Satterley over Phil Smita. And Super Stock, Craig Marshall over Aaron Allison. And Stock was Chris Stevenson over Darren Poole Adams. So uh, congrats to those guys. And um, by all accounts, um, again, a- another great event on the Lucas Oil Series. That's yeah. awesome. Let me butt in here. Jacob Elrod, that runner-up in Super Comp, that was Team Luke. Ah, my goodness. As we're about to cover, how would you feel if you're Jacob Elrod, you, you make the final round of Super Comp? Like, that's a good points-earning day? Yeah. All right, cool. Get everything loaded up. Just glance on the phone. Hey, I wonder what happened in Atco and realize yeah. that you lost <laughs> ground. with your Yeah, yeah that's uh, <laughs> another great outing that we'll talk about here in just a couple of pair, but the guys did have a Division One event, Lucas Oil event, and ATCO, as you mentioned. And Chris Wilson, Christopher Wilson, gets a win over Mike Sullivan. The aforementioned and, Spanky. Yep, Spanky getting her done in top dragster. Oh, by the way, that was the best part of that story. I, okay. I, I, I didn't mean to circle back. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm dominating this podcast. It's all about That's Luke. okay. It's the Luke Bogaggy Motorsports podcast from 10 years ago. <laughs> That season, okay, remember the conversation with Spanky at the back of the staging lanes and how crazy I thought he was, you know, and yeah. then of course I hear it for the next month. You should run yourself, should run yourself, right? Okay. Yeah. That season was the year that I ended up tied for the DragRacerResults.com series championship with Rustin Race, oh. and I lost on a tiebreaker. Oh, had so you? So it wasn't like 10 minutes after it was all decided, phone ring, Spanky. I told you you should have run yourself. Ah, oh, thanks, buddy. Could have sent, could have sent the points leading car to the final and got it all done. In retrospect, that'd have been a good plan. It would have. <laughs> Top sportsman was Jeff Brooks over Brian Connery, and Super Comp, as you were just talking about, uh, Little John, John LaBose Jr. getting a win over Brian Brown, and my goodness, Luke, he just he just keeps on doing it. Absolutely unreal. One week after Austin Williams finally takes over and takes that spot on the perch that LaBouche had held all season, what it lasted six days. Mm. Back on top and, and thriving. Just unbelievable. Yeah, amazing season for him. And super guest, our buddy Dan Northrup, getting a win over Tom Goldman. A super street was Peter Sanka over Don Garbinski. Northrop is not Team Luke. He's Team Vega. I root for Team Vega. <laughs> yeah, he does have a cool Vega. Superstock was Gregory Porter over William Kennedy. Porter laid down a triple zero reaction in the final. This next one, oh boy, this one hurts. Uh, stock elimination. <laughs> Joe Santangelo, brother, I don't know where you were while my team was needing points. 
And my apologies to you, sir, for eliminating you from Team Jed. You're on fire right now, uh, getting a win over Shane Oaks. Three finals in three races for Santangelo. Uh, Joey started his NHRA season in uh, July, which had him, like you said, off your radar. I don't know that he had been to a race when you kicked him off a Team Jed. Me either. He's been to three races. I have to say it like that. I mean... That's that's what happened. I mean, let's let's we, we spit truth here on the Sports and Drag Racing podcast. <laughs> since that time, Joe Santangelo has been to three NHRA divisional events. His worst finish is a runner-up. Mm. So um, here he comes, beating his drum. It might not be a bad time to have Joe Santangelo on your team. A little dark horse. I don't know if he can even make enough races. I don't know if that's possible at this point. But heck, if you win them all, you ain't got to go to but to eight. That's true. I still, <laughs> I still take pride in recognizing the talent that Joe possesses and picking him on my original team. The fact he didn't go to any races, I had no choice. But you can you know, all still the consolation in that that you would do. <laughs> but he's still not on my team. <laughs> Junior dragsters uh, were at uh, the Atco event, so that's pretty cool. Get to see them competing and the six to nine age group. Tyler De Pascal gets a win over Addison De Pascal. I'm assuming they've met. <laughs> uh, 10 to 12 category paul stalba stalba are certainly These are a familiar name. names stalba yeah. de pascal are you sure this is the junior director results you sure this isn't super treat paul got the win over justin handwork and the 13 to 18 category jesse marshall gets the win over chase ream so great event there at atco looked like they had a really good turnout and some familiar names making the winner circle again luke yeah, before we move on from ATCO, I, I know we talked about this a little bit, and it seems like we talk about John LaBoost Jr. like every other week on the podcast, but this year that's been deservingly so. Yeah. I don't want to be like prisoner of the moment guy that says everything that's happening right now is like the most incredible thing that's happened in the history of the world. But I don't think it's hyperbole to say, particularly if this holds up, and Little John wins the world championship in Super Comp and Super Gas, which is far from a given. But if you're laying odds right now, he's the favorite in both. I think it's very possible that in, what, three months, we look back on this and say, that was the best season in the history of NHRA sports and drag racing. Like, that's the, the rare air that he's in at this point. He has, yeah. right now today, 656 points in Super Comp. 648 in super gas. For those of you not familiar with the NHRA point system and how it works, like when you set out to chase points, if your goal is to win the world championship, 650 is like the mark. Not to say that everybody that gets 650 wins. I, and I would say this year in super comp, like there will be multiple racers that crest 650, but that is really rare. Like the number of competitors over the course of, of history, so to speak, or since this point system has been in place, that have put up 650 plus and not won the world championship. I don't have evidence of this. I, I would almost guarantee you that that is a smaller number than the number of racers that have put up less than 650 and won the world championship. Like if you put up 650, you should win. He is yeah. two single points, which is you know, like two tenths of a round away from having 650 plus in two classes in the same year. He has been to 12 events thus far, six nationals, six divisionals. To date, he has eight victories and two runner-ups, and he's split them evenly. Four wins and a runner-up in both Super Comp and Super Gas. I don't have enough superlatives, Jed. The only, like when you talk about 
the best season in NHRA sportsman racing history. Like if, if he ends up winning the championship in super comp and super gas, there's only two other people that have ever done that. We talked with Jeff Strickland earlier in the year. He did it a year ago, top dragster and stopped. Scotty Richardson did it in 1994. If you're going to compare, I put Scotty's championships and potentially little John's on a little bit different level. And that's not to take anything away from Jeff, but like, as we talked about with Jeff, both of his championships were decided on like the last race of the last day of the season, which was great for drama. And it's hard to say that you're not dominant when you win two world championships in one year. Like that's as impressive as it gets. But I remember Scotty's 1994 season being more dominant. And there is no question to this point, like the boost this season has been dominant. Now we've got Mark trying to do some research. I'm amazed at how difficult it is to find stats from 1994 because like, I remember that. I don't think I'm that old. But it's not like today where you can see the round-by-round results. So we're we're trying to get a, an accurate comparison. Like, is my memory deceiving me a little bit? You know, like that was that closer than it than it seems now? You know, because it just seemed like Scotty beat everybody every other weekend. Like I want to say he won three Super Street races that year too. You know what I mean? Like he just yeah. won everything. So it would be interesting to kind of compare those when it's all said and done. But and if this holds up and he wins both championships, like that's in that very elite discussion. Pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. And I look forward to look forward to seeing it play out. Maybe Mark will be able to come up with that info. We're looking forward to, to see just how dominant that 94 season was for Scotty. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we'll talk about this more. This is just funny. Like it just it came to my mind because you'd think, and again, like this is probably a prisoner of the moment thing. Like it feels like the level of competition and parity is at an all time high. But like we thought that in 1994 too, you know what I mean? Like it was crazy that oh, sure. he was winning what he was winning at the time. So I don't, it's difficult to, to compare eras, but the one thing that I will say about Scotty, and again, this is here nor there, like I don't have any of the data in front of me. Like he did win the super gas world championship in a super street car, like at best. You remember that firebird? I do not. Like that's a back half letter bar, nothing trick, like didn't have much, wouldn't have much business at all in today's super gas. I realized it was a little bit different time, but there were purpose built cars. Yeah. And he was just beating the pants off of them with something that probably didn't have any business in the class. Funny story. And I'll, I'm rambling a lot this podcast, but that's cool. Before you go any further, and I know this wasn't part of the show notes, but how are the indexes the same right now as they were in 1990, whatever, 80, whatever? How is that possible? That's a really good question because when this stuff was developed, like dragsters ran 890 wide open. Now, yeah. like, I don't think you can build an aluminum head big block that won't that will go slower than like 820. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, it is. It, it's pretty... I could hop my car up a little bit and go 890. So <laughs> that's a good I mean, point. <laughs> really? So how, how are the indexes not adjusted these days? I don't have a good answer for that. Like, it's always been that way and I, it's kind of accepted, but. That is a really good question because the average, I don't know, I th- the average super comp car could go sevens. The average super gas car can go eights. Yeah. Like some of the 1090 stuff's ridiculous. Um, like there's guys going 155 mile an hour. Like I, I'm sure that's an eight second car. Now it, it probably is time for a change and you don't want to take anybody out of the class that can currently run it. But I, I agree with you. Like the percentage of super gas cars that can't do 950. I mean, it's less than 5%. Yeah. I, I contend that you will add to the class if you adjust that index more so than take it away. You may be right. Uh, 
somebody get on that and get it fixed. Uh, Luke, there was some bracket racing went on. Some serious bracket racing. I should know the number of years that the World Super Pro Challenge has been contested, but it's 20 plus, I know. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And so Ricky Atkins won the first one, I can tell you that. I don't know when it was. It, it's on up there. <laughs> <laughs> so mid-Michigan, the Ledford family getting it done again this year with the World Super Pro Challenge. And um, it is called the 50, but uh, they have some races surrounding that 50K and Thursday, they got kicked off with a 10-grander, where A.J. Ash took the Grand Slam uh, to a victory over Kenny Underwood and his dragster for 10K. Little Alvin. Yeah, little Alvin kicking off his weekend in style. So, good to see A.J. make the long trip from Gulfport, Mississippi up and get the win. Friday, uh, they ended up getting rained out. Luke, I'm sure you know that. So they took Friday's 10K and put it on Sunday's 5K for a 15K Sunday, which we'll talk about. But Saturday's 50K main event had Jason Jensen getting a win over Chris Cadle. I think Chris was uh, was driving uh, Todd's car or Todd's, Todd's truck, if I remember right. Todd's daddy's truck. Big Z's truck. Oh, oh Big Z's truck. That's okay. right. So, so that's good. Uh, Todd's extreme daddy's S10 getting the runner-up. Jason Jensen putting himself on the map there with a 50K win. All-door car final. Uh, Jensen had a 13-pack to Cato's 15-pack, so it looked like a really tight run there for 50K. Nice job, and congrats to Jason Jensen uh, getting his name in the history books there at mid-Michigan. Sunday, again, had the 10K from Friday dropped on top to make it a 15K. Let me interrupt you just a second here, Jason. Please do. I, I'm doing that a lot this show. The one thing that I'll note is, um, like, the reason that Sunday's race at Santon pays five grand, and Ledford will tell you this, is because, like, nobody cares about the Sunday race at Santon. Like, I went to that race, I don't know, probably probably 10 times throughout the years, and I vaguely remember, like, racing for 50 grand. I really remember the party after the 50 grander. Like, it's epic. And the reason, like, the purses of the other days have increased over the years, and Ledford even told me, he's like, yeah, we just leave it five grand on Sunday, like, everybody's hungover. So, <laughs> the, so this, this, was, this had to have been a different atmosphere. Like, the 10 granders rained out. Now, Sunday's 15 grand. Like, I just, I wasn't there. I wonder what the party was like. I'm sure it was epic once again. But a couple of guys that usually attend the party and um, maybe not, Perform so well on Sunday at times. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple of great racers, but they ended up with a split and quit, and that was Mikey Bloomfield Jr. and G Dub Gary Williams continuing his hot streak, Both making the finals. Have had really strong seasons. Yeah, they have. Uh, Mikey also had a big win earlier in the year. So uh, those guys again split and quit, and just took their payday and went on to the house. Side note, and, uh, uh, the lone semifinalist was Chris Cadle again, going rounds in the Big Z pickup truck. That's right. I did see that. I forgot to mention that. Look, they had a FTI Racer Appreciation Gamblers race where they had 10 cars entered. I don't know what it took to get into that gamblers race. Nor do I. I wish I had more insight. Yeah, that's pretty rare where only 10 get in, so there must have been some odd rules there. But uh, Dennis DiValerio took the win over Matt Murray to wrap up the results there. Congratulations to Mike Ledford and all the folks at Mid-Michigan on another great World Super Pro Challenge. 
Yeah, and then uh, not far from Stanton, Michigan. I think it's a couple hours away, if I remember right. I used to make that tour a little bit. We do IHRA race at uh, US 131 and then to the 50 at Stanton or vice versa. Had a big bottom bulb race up at uh, US 131 in Martin, Michigan, Jed. That's that's your arena. Why don't you tell us who uh, who took care of business up there? Yeah, my buddy Justin Wanamaker uh, kept Facebook updated and got to see how that was playing out. It looked like a great event. Uh, Saturday, they were going to have a race on Friday, and I think it was going to be, if I remember right, 5K Friday and 5K Saturday. Friday obviously got rained out at mid-Michigan. It got rained out at Martin as well. So they had a 10K on Saturday where Heinz Haller got the win, which is would be a top 10 name, by the way. I was way. about to say that if you didn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Heinz, I love it. I got to win over Aaron Dissinger, which uh, Aaron is a, a very tough bottom bulb racer up in those parts. So congratulations to Hines getting that 10K win. Um, had some junior drag racing um, where what they're calling the master category, Seth Jimenez, got the win over Amanda Shaw. The advanced beginners class was Ava Tiberzi over Connor Jensen. 790 class top 10 name i mean not enough people are naming their kid this right here maverick green got the win over trey goodson so when you say that i was looking at that thinking you know if we have another boy maverick i like that man how could you not that's uh that kid's gonna be tough got to be with a name like that so 890 was connor jensen over riley cole 1190 was tyler howard over jace wanamaker great job jace and uh, roll back into the bottom bulb action where Sunday's five grand winner uh, was a guy that wins all over the place. And Matt Obertanik takes the win in one of the very few AMC American Motors products out in the foot brake field. Takes the Jeep and gets it done again over Lee Newmeyer. Yeah, a couple of good buddies to, racing there. Yeah, congrats to Matt O. And uh, shout out to Lee. That's one of our This Is Bracket Racing elite members. Lee puts in as much work as anybody on the practice tree and our practice tree challenges. And uh, it showed over the weekend. He's pretty nasty on the bottom. Yeah, it sounded like he did really well. And Sunday's master category in the junior class was Derek Raymond over the aforementioned Maverick Green. Another Maverick sighting. A Maverick. And advanced beginners class was Evan Mutchler over Logan Knapp. So great uh, bottom bulb event for the bottom bulb guys and the junior racers there in Martin. And uh, we, uh, we're happy to see some familiar names that we know in the winner's circle there. And congrats to everybody involved. My, my, again, my buddy Justin Wanamaker was keeping us posted on Facebook and looked like a heck of a show. Moving on, Jed, to the All-State race in Memphis. This thing is coming up. It's uh, right at a month away. What I wanted to do and what I would like to do with this segment going forward is kind of randomly pick a state each week and kind of feature all of the racers in that state. But you guys are slacking. We need some bios. Send those bios into Galen and Britt. They've asked for them. Ain't nobody going to promote you if you can't promote yourself. You send those in. We'll talk about you. We'll tell the world how awesome you are. We'd like yeah. to do that. I think it'd be fun, especially for some of the states that we don't talk about all the time. That's that's you, South Dakota, Ontario. You know what I mean? You guys that don't get to come to a bunch of these races, let's tell the world about why you belong there. Get that information and we'll talk about you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess it's just been announced, um, Luke, there will be a Friday night practice tree race put on by Rusty Fletcher and Cody Graham at the All-State Challenge race, the, the Great American Bracket Race. That is September the 8th through the 10th. So Friday night will be September the 8th. It's going to be 1,500 to win, 500 runner-up. Those guys are going to put a, a flyer up really soon, so stay tuned to the All-State or Great American Bracket Race Facebook page. And uh, you'll get some information on that practice tree race that Rusty Fletcher and Cody Graham are going to be putting on. And, um, again, just like Luke said, get those bios in. I'm a team captain. My Alabama Slammers, you know, they're driving three to five hours to Memphis. So it's not, I don't think, getting their juices flowing just yet. My, my guys and gals are slacking just a little. Hadn't got enough bios. Guys, get your bios in. Let's get that stuff done and uh, and get us promoted like we need to be for the best team in the all-state challenge which we are so you know we need to we need to make sure we promote ourselves as such there you go there's the call out that was jed that's at jp11x <laughs> don't at me you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do the kevin brandon lay the smack across the land then you do the l ride and you come out like the world champ Racing RVs is heavily involved in sportsman drag racing. They headline the NHRA Top Dragster and Top Sportsman Series. They sponsor all of the SFG Promotions events, including the World Series of Bracket Racing, the Super Bowl of Bracket Racing, and the Powerball event. Racing RV sponsors racers, including Austin Williams, Disco Dean Carnes, and our own Luke Bogacki. And they present this podcast that you're listening to. In short, Racing RVs is invested in sportsman drag racing. So when the time comes for you to make an investment in your own RV or trailer, we encourage you to support the company that supports Sportsman Drag Racing. That's Racing RVs. They do it all. New coaches, used units, financing, trade-ins, consignments, you name it, they can take care of you. Visit online at RacingRVs.com. Jed, let me just take a minute, man. That was an outstanding read. I mean, there, no bloopers this show jed just knocked that out of the park <laughs> nailed it Oof. all right yeah don't stick around to the end here we got nothing for you in addition to racing rvs this week's podcast is presented in part by this is bracket racing elite this is bracket racing elite is an exclusive group of racers with whom i work individually on all facets of drag racing what do you get as an elite member well for starters unlimited access to all of the trainings on this is bracket racing.com but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. In addition, elite members are part of an exclusive community. We share results. We give each other feedback on a weekly basis. The community also includes regular trainings from me, live chats in which we discuss topics and questions from members, and weekly challenges, which are typically, but not always, practice tree related to keep our members on point. I attribute a lot of my personal success recently, notwithstanding last weekend, to This Is Bracket Racing Elite, and our members are killing it on the racetrack as well. To learn more, check out the link on the thisisbracketracing.com homepage or message me directly. All right, Luke, let's uh, preview an upcoming event like we like to do here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast and next week. Be there, be there, be there. <laughs> Man, you know, this race was on the schedule for June at Huntsville Dragway. Uh, obviously had a lot of weather moving in. I think there was a tropical storm that dominated the weekend in these parts. They had to make the move 
to cancel that or postpone it and move it to August. And that's the Drag Race Results Ultimate Series at Huntsville Dragway coming up next weekend. Going to be a heck of a show, Luke. One you're very familiar with as uh, as the reigning champion. Yeah, August 18th through 20th. I'm obviously a racer. This is, in my opinion, and not to try to tick off other race promoters, like this is the best deal in bracket racing today. 695 yeah. weekend entry. 20 grand to win Friday, 20 grand to win Sunday, 50 grand to win Saturday. And that in and of itself is an awesome value. Low entry fee, huge purses, good payback. But that's not the reason to go. Like the reason to go is the point series. Yeah. The overall champion gets a basically a complete roller American race car. I think it's like a $30,000 value, maybe more than that. Second place gets a motor and it pays back a hundred spots. Like everything basically that is awarded is worth winning. Like you're not getting some junk that you won't use. Great prizes throughout. And while this is the second weekend of the 2017 DRR Ultimate Series schedule, the first weekend was very rain plagued. We got one race in. So Bo Boatner is leading the points. But even if you didn't go, you're nine rounds behind or 10 rounds behind, whatever we got in. So this is the definition of wide open. I don't care if you sat at home in March. You have a chance to win the points at the DR Ultimate Series, and the payoff is unbelievable. And even if you aren't interested in the points or you can't make it in September, like the race stands alone, the weekend stands alone, it's a, it's a great value to begin with. When you add the points on top of it, it's the place to be. It really is, Luke. Tremendous uh, point series out there. And I, I don't like to brag, but... You know, I am sitting 29th right now, and if things stay just like they are, I get, you know, a nice uh, Lincoln Weldon helmet and a uh, Weldon jacket that, uh, you know, I'll be able to use when I do my welding here around the house. So I'm coming for you, pool boy. So just be ready. Uh, I'll be chasing <laughs> you to the lanes. But lots of great stuff around the race, Luke. First of all, it's at Huntsville Dragway, which is a great place to race. They got parking for everybody. No worries. Plenty of great parking. Tremendous facility, great concessions, great uh, air-conditioned restrooms, staff, and a facility that cares a lot about your experience, wants to give you a great race. Of course, the Lemon family, well-known for running DragRaceResults.com. These guys know what great racing is about, and they're out here to put on a great race for us, and they certainly will accomplish that. They've got the FTI Champs warm-up race for 2500 on Thursday to get the weekend kicked off. There's free duck races from APD and Hoosier. There's a free run for the center section from our great friends at Yukon Gear and Axle. So uh, not only just great bracket racing, they got a lot of great stuff around the race. And it'll be a wonderful, wonderful time. So make sure you make plans to be at Huntsville Dragway next weekend, August the 18th through the 20th for the second of three DragRaceResults.com Ultimate Series events. Be there! All right, we have teased <laughs> Now that was good. You like that? Yeah, Steve that Evans. I'm really channeling good. my inner Steve Evans. <laughs> we have been... Sorry, this show's a little off the rails. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not my usual self today for whatever reason. <laughs> I like it. Okay, okay. Well, maybe, you know, two of our listeners will too. IHRA points battles. We have been... Uh, 
dancing around this, teasing this a little bit for the last, I don't know, two months. So this episode, rather than having an interview on, which I'd love to talk to Lester Johnson or Jody Lang, we may have some, those guys on. We'll, we'll have, we'll get back to our interviews next week, but we wanted to dedicate some time to this IHRA points chase because there are literally hundreds of racers um, throughout the country that have made this their focus for the season. And when we delved into it a little bit, the points chase is really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it is a great series with a lot of good stuff waiting on the winners. You know, we we don't talk about it enough, but uh, we understand that there's reasons for that. That you know, this show's about sportsman drag racing, and the uh, non-national events, I guess, really changes the way we look at IHRA. But the Summit Sportsman National Championship is a really cool deal. It does pay good. It's a thirty race. <laughs> series featuring 15 double race weekends i think that's a great idea by hra it allows their racers opportunity to limit their expense and get two races per weekend you get points claims from the best seven of your first 10 events yeah, so there are no to make the maximum five weekends and to compete for a championship four weekends you get four yep. headers no divisions you just it's a national series you may race at whatever event you choose without having uh, limitations based on regional boundaries. So, you know, you pretty much don't get locked into racing anywhere. You can go wherever you want to. And uh, there's there's only uh, five events left to complete. They will be next weekend at Empire Dragway. They're also racing at Memphis next weekend. That's, yeah, that again go a long way to determine in this thing. That's the weekend that we're in Huntsville, the 18th through the 20th, a pair of these yeah. um IHRA events, Empire Dragway, and Memphis. And then after that, there are just three more of them. So we are getting down to the short rows where all this is going to be decided. Um, the remaining yeah. events go to State Capitol Raceway down in Louisiana, Carolina Dragway in uh, South Carolina, and the season closer up at uh, the newly renovated Dragway 42. So getting down to yeah. uh, getting down to the serious part of it here. Yep, and that'll be the same weekend as the final Drag Race Results Ultimate Series event at Huntsville, September 22nd through the 24th. So, look, the current point standings are uh, are posted, and we get a chance to talk about that. And all of the, the points chases are, are hard to gauge right now. There's five double events remaining, uh, so lots of guys can improve on uh, on already great seasons for them. Yeah, so I guess in theory, even though you can't be in Empire, New York, and uh, Memphis, Tennessee at the same time, so you can't really make 10 races, but in theory, um, someone that hadn't attended a race to this point could still make four doubles, eight events, and win a world championship. So what we're going to spew out here is the contenders is very, very fluid. This could all change. Yeah, top dragster. Looks like most all of them have at least seven races completed, so they got their claims. But the leader's at uh, 498 points, which leaves plenty of room for improvement. Looks like the players there are Johnny Tolisano, Miss Ivy Hutto-Brannon, and Robert Vogler III. Those are the top three racers and looks like the major contenders in the top dragster category. Yeah, I'm just looking at the top dragster standings and what a log jam. Like the the top 10 right now are separated by less than 100 points. They've all been to seven or more races. So quite literally, like anybody could win. Like you said, Talisano and Ivy and RV3 and Troy Williams Jr. have separated themselves a little bit. That's your top four. 
You got Tim Butler in the top 10, Mark Horton in the top 10, Chad Trailer just outside of the top 10. Flay by Flay. Yeah, if, I mean, it, it is the definition of wide open. If you're looking for a long shot, you could go on down the list. Um, I got Chris Ferguson Jr. down here through just four races. He's got a 306-point total. Looks like a win and a runner-up. If he put up three more good showings, he would be in that mix or possibly ahead. So if you're looking for somebody to uh, to kind of come from a little ways down the, the list, and as I scroll down a little bit further here, there's a number of guys in a similar boat. Travis Colangelo, my buddy at American Race Cars, has a shot at getting up there. So does Ken Batchelor. Those are two pretty big names. Let's go down a little bit further. James Shaw, Chris Cadle, who we talked about earlier, got a shot. Mm. So your guess is as good as mine here, Jed. This one is wide open. I would definitely just be guessing for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, top sportsman. There are no Jeffrey Barker stories to tell in the IHRA top sportsman category. Top 15 look like they're pretty tight, and this is a definitely a wide open game. Martin Blair, uh, my boy Mark House of Pain, and John Taylor, current top three. But uh, again, the top 15 all look like they have a mathematical shot. Yeah, similar situation here. Like, it's just a log jam at top with no one really separating themselves. You got to get down to a, the 13th spot before there's a racer that hasn't at least gotten the, the minimum seven claims, and that's Marlon Goats. He's sitting there with six. So, like, win your next race, Marlon, you're in the points lead. So that's one that could come from a little ways down the list. And then go on down, like... Uh, Rob Harvishak, Division Three racer, uh, got 306 through four races. He could make a run. I see Scott Wasco on there. He's no stranger to the winner's circle. He's got a, a decent score without a ton of races. But again, kind of similar with Top Dragster. I'll just run through the top 10 because I think any of them have a chance and probably goes deeper than that. But like you said, Martin Blair, Mark Payne, John Taylor in the top three. Calvin Snow sitting fourth. Doug Jabur, who we've talked about Doug before. Yeah, it's sitting in the fifth spot. Clayton Roberts, who's having an awesome season on within both sanctioning bodies, NHRA and IHRA. He's sixth, got a shot. Paul Mosley, Paul's Transmissions, seventh spot. Jim mm-hmm. Collins, Stacy Hall, and Mike Snow round out the top ten as of this moment. And like I say, whoever finishes this on a, on fire is gonna win this thing. Yep, absolutely. Moving over to Quick Rod, which for you NHRA fans would be the same as Super Comp. That Basically, is there. but a lot of the IHRA races are actually contended, contested eighth mile. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good don't point. don't see much in, in an NHRA ranks. Yeah, so Quick Rod category, a couple of races in the top 10 with only five or six races claimed, so there's some claims left. Boy, Danny Waters Jr., DWJ. Got a, a really strong score right now of 609 through his best seven. So D-Dub looking pretty good. And the top three there are Danny Waters Jr., Frank Altello, and guy we talked to already this year, Corey Manuel. That was Cameron Manuel. That we oh, that was Cameron. Corey's I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Corey, Corey got close, I think, in that. But, uh, yeah, Cameron was the guy. So I messed that up. But Corey is the third of the top three and. That race probably not so wide open, Luke. No, this is one. Uh, it, it looks like it's all DW all the time. I've got a pretty significant points lead and well earned. He's been to eight races to this point. He's got four wins. That's pretty impressive. Yes. Um, two of them in one weekend at Farmington back in June. I like DW's position. I would imagine DW likes DW's position. If you're looking for somebody to challenge, the best shot is probably actually uh, his buddy. Chad Duke, 
Chad is sitting over 200 points behind, but with two races to claim full. So if, per se, those two races were wins, neck and neck, or Chad might even have the lead, depending on how many rounds they went. And you go on down the list, Chad's the only one with five. You got to get way down. Gary Fleener threw four races with 307 with a win and a runner-up. And a race coming, at least to Dragway 42, is one that Fleener could make. Like I say, if you're looking for a dark horse, but that's kind of what it would have to take at this point. I think anyone other than Danny Waters Jr. holding that trophy at the end of the year would be a bit of a surprise at this point. Yeah, it would be good to see Danny get it done. We, we're not biased here, but we definitely uh, we, we know Danny well, and we know how hard he works on his program. So hopefully he accomplishes his goal. Moving over to Super Rod, Luke, uh, again, if it were quarter mile, that would be a equivalent to Super Gas. Top five in the points are very tight, 84 points. Uh, each driver having room to improve uh, leaves that, that race in a much tighter spot than the quick rod category we just talked about. Our buddy Jacob Elrod having a great season on both sides in HRA and IHRA. He's sitting ninth with uh, 404, but he's only got five claims so far. So he, he's got a real opportunity to improve his score. And uh, I think he's uh, getting close to maxing out in HRA, so he might get focused over on the IHRA side. But I'm sure he'll end up in the middle of it. But uh, top three there, Stiefer, our buddy Fuzz, leading the way. And uh, he's having a great season on both sides as well. James Perry Jr. in the number two spot and David Marcus Jr. in the number three spot. Yeah, Fuzz actually has a fairly comfortable lead here, but he's a out maxed out he's only got one event left and really it's a run just within well in the month of june but the last three races that steve's been to that catapulted him to the lead the last three races he's been to is two wins and a runner-up sitting like 60 points in the lead over jim perry and dave marcus jr as you mentioned if somebody's gonna catch fuzz i'd say the best shot like you said is jacob uh, elrod Won the first two races that he went to, kind of the opposite of the uh, first season, and uh, has gone round since, but hasn't been back to a final. Like you said, he's got two races to count full. If they're like fourth, fifth round performances at both, he would match Fur. So pretty good odds there for Elrod. You look a little bit further down the list. Vernon Rowland's another one, a real good racer out of Oklahoma that hasn't yeah. been to a bunch of races that could make a run. Beyond that, I think you're just looking at somebody within the top 20 there to get hot. But if I had to pick, I'd say it's for Elrod, Roland, which are no strangers to uh, the IH no. circle, any winner circle for that matter. Very familiar name. And Vernon is a, is a tough racer that if he decides to get after it and start chasing, he will be in the mix. That's my buddy Parker DeVore's father-in-law, Brittany's dad, and a really nice guy, tough racer, so hopefully he gets serious about it and wants to chase those guys down. Now moving over to Hot Rod category, Luke, which again for the NHRA fans will be equivalent to Super Street. Looks like a pretty wide open points race here with uh, the top three being Chris Webb in the number one spot, our buddy Troy Williams Jr. in the number two spot, and James McPherson in the number three spot, but uh, looks like this is anybody's race. Yeah, this is another one, much like Top Sportsman Top Dragster, this is wide open. Just to the names you said, like, I'm going to go personal biased and say Troy Williams Jr. is the favorite, because if I was tied with Troy Williams Jr., we both had three races to go, I wouldn't like where I was. He's three points behind Chris Webb. They've got a little bit of distance between second place, but you're looking down, all of the top six have been to at least seven races. you got David Lincoln and John Hudson as well as Patrick Forster, just outside the top 10. 
that still have one race to count full. So they could certainly get up there in the mix and really even take the lead if that one race was a, a win, I guess. And like we talked about, I mean, I guess this is kind of a broken record. Like the, the IHRA point sheet goes about 50 deep. Like I would say the top 50 have a shot here. This is going to be decided in the in the closing months of the season. Yeah, that'll be an interesting race. Yeah, it plays out. I don't know how serious uh, Troy will get about it, but we'll see. And again, if, if he does get serious about it, I would probably lay odds on him for sure. Over in the Superstock category, a guy that has been hot, especially in the early part of the season and racked up a lot of points, Mark Nowicki. Got a solid 608 points so far with the seven of seven events. But, you know, he can improve still on a couple of them. Got, He's got a second round loss to throw out yet. Yeah, got Pete Diagnolo, which uh, Pete's having a great season on both sides. Uh, he's only got five events so far that he's completed. He's at 470 points. Still got work to do on his part, but, you know, it is definitely mathematically uh, optional for him to overtake Mark. Mark's sitting in the number one spot. Uh, Ed Longany is in the number two spot, and Pete Diagnolo, which we just talked about, is in the number three spot. Yeah, this is the the interesting part about point series, Jed, because as we've looked through basically every class with the exception of Quick Rod, pretty well wide open. This is one that, and the that I think the highest point score that we have seen to this point was Steve Fur in in, uh, in Super Rod with like five fifty something. Here we're looking at Mark Nowicki, who's already posted six hundred eight points, which is the biggest score that we've seen, and still has races remaining to claim. Not only is his, like, this is not a sure thing. Like, I'm not sure he's the favorite to this point. He has won four races out of the seven that he's been to. But one of them was a short round race. And as you said, lurking in third is Pete Dagnolo, who still has two races to count full, already has two wins, which were both seven rounders, so they're worth more points, and a runner-up. This one's going to get interesting, and I don't want to just say it's a two-horse race, but it kind of looks like a two-horse race between those two, unless somebody else was to get super hot. And with Dagnolo, that's coming to his home track in a couple weeks at Empire, be interesting to see what he does there. And with both of those guys still having multiple events left, this will be a fun class to follow. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, these guys can get hot and and still not rack up the points they need due to they'll run up on some events where they don't get a lot of opportunities to win rounds because of the size of the crowd that showed up. So kind of throws an extra variable in there for them, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, good weather, hopefully it'll lead to some good crowds and lead Pete a real opportunity to chase Mark down. Moving over to Stott, a guy that has dominated IHRA competition for a long, long time and it's sitting over. top again. <laughs> it's Myron Piatek. Myron Piatek in the Locomotion Mopar sitting at 695 points with uh, nine and seven events completed. He's got still got a couple he could improve on. And Myron, as good as it gets in that category and that sanctioning body for a long, long time. Lots of guys down in the points list uh, sitting between two and 300 points. Only three to five events, but that'll probably keep some guys from chasing, too, with the points total that Myron has already racked up. But some tough names behind him. You know, you got Tim Fletcher, uh, Slate Cummings, B.J. Bianchi, Jesse Alberts, some very familiar names, guys that's capable of winning a lot of races, getting on a hot streak. 
We'll just Wasting see if they. Breath. It's over. We'll see if they choose to chase it. Myron, uh, to this point, seven claims, three wins, three runner-ups, one semi. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a little room there. His two wins were both seven rounders, but two of his three wins, one was a six rounder. It's over. Myron, <laughs> he's won this before. I watched him make a speech, I believe, at the IHRA banquet years and years ago. I don't know how many world championships he's got, but uh, I'm pretty confident in saying that come the end of September, he will have one more on the mantle. Yeah, he's won a ton of those, and he has, when they did divisions, he won a ton of divisions too. So Myron sitting on top with uh, Merrill Scrimshner in a second position and Terry Taylor in the third position, but those guys are just probably hoping to maintain their two and three spots at this point. Yeah, agreed. We cover every class in IHRA? That seemed like it went quick. Yeah, I think uh, I think we got them all. Okay. All right, so it we did. got Pytech, D-Dub as virtual locks and uh, everything else pretty well up in the air. We'll cover this more as it winds down, I think we'd probably need to revisit this probably in a couple of weeks after the Memphis and Empire races, because it's going to get a little bit more interesting. And then certainly leading into that final weekend at Dragway 42, we'll try to build that up a little bit for the IHRA guys. Yep. All right. That, I believe, Jed, puts a wrap on episode 38. Thanks. As- you sure, Luke, because the people listening don't really know how long this show it really has been. <laughs> We've basically recorded significant portions of this show twice actually that's that's not accurate i shouldn't say that we've recorded twice we've talked twice <laughs> and, and failed to record some said some technical issues here on the sportsman drag racing podcast so i don't guess we have any need to apologize to our listeners you guys will end up getting the same show but my apologies to you jed we have been here a long time <laughs> i've enjoyed every minute of it <laughs> uh, close up episode 38 thanks as always to our sponsors siebert performance this is bracket racing elite racing rvs as always thanks to pj north pj provides all of the um drops all of the tunes that you hear throughout the show you can find his work on itunes and as always thanks to our assistant mark romeo for his help if you've got ideas for the show message us on facebook we're on the sportsman drag racing podcast page or you can contact mark directly again that's mark romeo and as you loyal listeners know we are bringing the sportsman drag racing podcast to you every week of the calendar year even if it takes us three hours to record it so we will see you again next week Hey guys, be sure to to find us wherever you find your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher, all the the major podcast holders there, and subscribe. It's real easy. Get us on those apps, subscribe, and you know just as soon as a new show is released, it it alerts you, and you get to listen before everybody else does. Simple simple process. So find us there at one of those outlets and make sure you hit the subscribe button and certainly tell your friends where we know folks are spreading the word. We appreciate you so much. The show is continuing to grow and we're thankful for that. And we just, uh, we know that our best advertisement is through you, the listener. So tell your friends, get them involved and get them listening get your track involved. We know we've got some tracks out there that are playing the sportsman drag racing podcast as we've asked you to do during downtime uh, all downs, parking time, whatever, just uh, the get ready time for the day. So we appreciate those tracks. Let us know who's out there playing it 
and we want to give you a shout out here on the podcast. And if your track isn't playing it, try to get them involved. Simple. Just lay somebody's smartphone by the mic and let them play the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. We think uh, it's, it's good information that your racers and your fans would enjoy listening to. And join our Facebook community. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast on Facebook. Uh, touch base with us there. Or you can touch base with us on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. We're getting a lot of folks uh, hitting us up on Twitter after the shows, letting us know they appreciate the show. They enjoyed listening, catching little things we say and making a post or two out of it. So we love the feedback. Keep reaching out to us on our Facebook page and through Twitter. And uh, that pretty much sums us up for the week, Luke. I want to give a shout out to uh, I, I, there's got to be a couple of you out there if you're listening to this podcast on your way to the racing rvs exclusive 150 here's to you for listening to the podcast and for attending our race that's coming Heck up yeah. this weekend we'll talk about it next week and i, I think if we had any uh, any bloopers those of you that have been listening through the end of the show waiting for the bloopers we get a lot of good comments on that the stuff that we mess up if we messed anything up today it failed to record because half the show failed to record so no bloopers i guess that means we did good <laughs> nice work Ted. and uh, we'll see everybody next week see you guys Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning it. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. Towers in my Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.